everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website, and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bargamilis, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Um, I don't know. We're we're doing a we're both Annie and I are doing some traveling over the next few weeks, so we're recording some stuff early and out of order. So I am back in a state of confusion about what I'm supposed to be watching and what's happening. But yeah. uh, I am excited about today's topic for a change, which is nice. That's good. I um I my HVAC is still broken, but we I apparently like wandered around and traded all my TC T Television Critics Association swag for space heaters. So uh um I'm actually warm today, and I'm very happy about it. I mean, that's good. It's also unseasonably warm outside. Oh, well, maybe that's why I'm warm. Oh, okay. I mean, it's not like, it's not like hot, but it's, it's the, I don't know, it's sunny. So for once, it's not like gloom outside. No, that's true. Um, so what are we talking about today? Well, we are returning to my favorite ongoing series that we do here on the podcast, because it almost always means we're talking about something in my lane. Um, and that is Classics Revisited. Mm. And if... You've been around the pod for a long time. You may remember that I think the very first Classics Revisited we ever did was on the 2009 or 2006. 2006. What is time? uh, Adaptation of Jane Eyre with uh, Ruth Wilson. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I said either people... I, I, I stated my belief that people fall into two categories, and you are either a Charlotte Bronte Jane Eyre person, or you are an Emily Bronte Wuthering Heights person, and I, while I thought that Jane Eyre was fine, am very much firmly an Emily Bronte Wuthering Heights person. So we are now going to talk about Wuthering Heights, and we have picked... There are a lot um there are a lot more adaptations of Wuthering Heights than there are of Jane Eyre. Yes. But we tried to draw kind of a straight line. This is this is the Wuthering Heights from that same year, I think. No, it's from 2009. It, you oh you God. had that you had the year of Wuthering Heights. I had the correct. years confused. It's three year, this one is 3 years later. It's in the mm-hmm. same ballpark. Feels the same. It's the one it aired on Masterpiece. It stars mm-hmm. Tom Hardy as Heathcliff. Yeah. Which I have some feelings about, but we will get to that. If you think of Jane Eyre um, as sort of the last gasp of the old masterpiece, um, this Wuthering Heights is very much masterpiece classic, the the modernized masterpiece um, version that, that they tried to launch basically in 2008. Oh, that's funny that you should say that because I don't actually see like a lot of... I don't actually see a lot of difference in terms of sort of like how the shows are made other than there's sex in this, which we will also get to in a minute. Well, actually, um, I do like there's a level where the Jane Eyre was so much slower. This the, the pacing of this feels more modern. There isn't this sort of impressionistic, like long loving, like images of the moors and the house in the same sort of way like we have a lot more people are moving a lot more we we focus on people a lot more the other thing you have to remember about Wuthering Heights as compared to Jane Eyre is that Wuthering Heights is bonkers Wuthering Heights is unhinged and I I, I love it for that but basically like Jane Eyre is the story of a woman who goes of a very normal woman who goes and becomes a governess for a very crazy man who has his wife in the attic Mm -hmm. Uh, Wuthering Heights is about nothing but crazy people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like just doing crazy things in a beautiful natural setting. 
It's like the story is bonkers. The story is very much like uh, a gothic melodrama in mm-hmm. the way that Jane Eyre only is towards the end when when the whole birth situation is revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, this is pure gothic melodrama from start to finish. I 100% agree with that. Um, There's also just like there's so much more to dig into in Wuthering Heights that Emily Bronte sort of left as a as 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 sort of um, unclear so that you sort of interpret things yourself in a way that I feel like Charlotte Bronte doesn't in Jane Eyre. I also think it is very, I think it's very important to remember that um, Wuthering Heights was originally printed along with Anne Bronte's, uh, uh, what was it, Agnes Gray, Agnes or Agnes Gray or whatever it is. Yeah, Agnes Gray Thank you. was the one um, that she wrote her dad's curate friend into it. Yeah. And the two of those were published together. And then Charlotte Bronte went back and edited Emily's um, Emily's manuscript and fixed all the punctuation and, and crap and, and, and republished it. And I've always sort of felt like there's a level where we're almost like she, like she wanted to sort of fix the craziness, but she couldn't actually do it because that would ruin it. <laughs> well, I mean, like I, like I said, this does like embrace... Embrace just like the overt, like gothic. This is a much, much a gothic, much, much. It just in terms of the books is much, much more of an overtly gothic story than Jane Eyre's. This adaptation is really interesting because it chooses, it it makes some choices that are not evident in the text, but it just decides to go with it, mm-hmm. and. I think it mostly works, but it's not, this is certainly not the most faithful to the book. Well, a lot of adaptations of, of Wuthering Heights are, weren't faithful up until recently. Like, the, okay, so the book begins basically with sort of a, 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 a wraparound of we're in the next generation and, and then Nellie comes in and she tells this story to the new neighbor of the last generation. Of- oh, yeah. Most, most adaptations don't start with Catherine 2.0. Yeah, they don't. They they don't cut. They just cut the next generation completely, or they'll do it at the very end. But it's not like the the first twenty minutes of this are all about Kathy and Linton, and or I'm sorry, Catherine. Let's mm-hmm. di- let's differentiate between them. Catherine the younger and Linton and uh, Harriton. Her- is that his name? Harriton. Yeah, terrible, terrible names. These people. And one of the things about this is that it doesn't, this does not really try to explain anything when it first sort of drops you in. So you, basically you drop in and the first thing you see is Heathcliff like seeing Kathy's ghosts while he's asleep. And then we get into this whole thing with the next generation, but it's not really clear how the next generation like relates back to the old generation, except that obviously Catherine is Kathy's kid. Like other than that, like nothing else there really quite obviously is a one-to-one up until Nellie sort of starts to, you know, here's the story. And then we sort of get into it and we go back and we start actually like seeing the original, uh, you know, when, when Heathcliff is brought to um is brought to the estate and um and Catherine McNally with these very very funny looking sideburns um Kevin McNally sorry um 
literally like announces that he's just he he's such a nice guy he just picked up this orphan this random orphan and uh he's gonna dote on him now and it's it's really strange because the book really never makes it clear why he takes in heathcliff what it is about heathcliff that he's drawn to other than the fact that Heathcliff only has one name, like there's he he's sort of described as a gypsy. He's sort of described as dark. It's not clear he could be a runaway slave. Like it's really the book is so not specific about this. And the show kind of leans into the he's the bastard son of theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a choice because that is not a thing. The book suggests it, but not, but then doesn't answer it in the same way. I mean, it, it works for me. It works for me, though, because a big thing at the heart of Wuthering Heights is the really unhinged interconnectedness of all of the people at the center of it. Like, they're mm-hmm. all not just like living with each other, they're all related to each other, either by blood or by marriage, or sometimes by both. And it re- like, I thought that added like a really you know, I thought it added a really interesting wrinkle to be explicit about it. And also because as much as I enjoy Kathy and Heathcliff and just the the epic messiness of their relationship, some adaptations don't necessarily lean as much into the like, look at them romping around as kids and doing all this stuff together the way that this one does. And mm-hmm. I thought that really laid a groundwork for the intensity and longevity of their connection besides both of them just being nuts. Um, Yeah. I also, um, one of the things about this adaptation, because I think this is the first one that I'd ever seen where the, he's, he's the bastard, he's the bastard half brother of Kathy was made that explicit. And that I really felt like that was what this interpretation wanted me to believe. It was the first time I felt like, I actually asked myself, was Emily Bronte sort of trying to lampoon her own people who are all these incestuous people who are sort of stuck together in a house and all end up sleeping together? And if that was sort of supposed to be a thing that I had never picked up in, in the book. And then I went back and read the book and decided that I was wrong. Um, <laughs> that, that no. Yeah, I don't know. The um, Historically speaking, we know very little about Emily Bronte. Mm-hmm. Contemporary her contemporaries basically said she was very reclusive. Mm-hmm. There was no, you know, some people are like, oh, she could have only written Wuthering Heights if she too had like a great heartbreaking love affair or something. But there's no, no sort of. No, you can just imagine things. <laughs> there's no sort of like historical record that indicates that that she ever had any sort of relationship like this or any lasting like romantic attachment. And she died very young. She was only mm-hmm. 30 when she died. So, I mean, it's just one of the many great things in the literary canon that we just don't know very much about, which I think is why people like to sort of, well, a little bit more than Jane Eyre in the sense that I think the story lends itself to it a little bit more, but a lot of people can project a lot of different things onto Wuthering Heights in a way that doesn't necessarily work in Jane Eyre. I I would absolutely agree with that. And I I do think that's also partly because the book leaves things sort of uh, loose so you can do weird interpretations. I know. I think it's such an interesting choice that that this adaptation makes really strident choices in a lot of ways. I mean, Mm -hmm. it basically... It doesn't outright say so, but it repeatedly implies that that uh, Kathy and Heathcliff are related. It uh, show it, it, it. Kathy and Heathcliff have sex in this, and mm-hmm. they never like. It's never even implied in the book that they have any sort of physical relationship. Just their their love is like of the soul or whatever, and and here they like show it. Yeah. Um. 
when I was a teenager, um, I actually remember being told in English class that Heathcliff and and Kathy don't have sex, and that the whole thing is that they are is that is that they are chaste, and that it is this this chaste love that they're supposed to be having. And it's like this, and it's not even I, for me. It was always not because I really this was. Remember, I was young. I imprinted. Oh. I imprinted on Heathcliff and Kathy at a very young age. I thought it was just terribly, just like sweepingly romantic. <laughs> And I know better now, but <laughs> it's okay. I thought I thought Jane Eyre was romantic when I was like ten. <laughs> I I just thought they were like because they love each other so much. And mm-hmm. you know when you're a teenager or you're reading this in, in high school or whatever, you don't necessarily see how truly damaging and toxic this relationship is in a lot of ways. For all that I do, you know, I believe that they loved each other, and I believe that their lives would have been better if they'd just been able to get married. And it would have saved a lot of pain and strife for a lot of other people, but um, yeah, they did. Like they, it's it, it was. I always interpreted it as like their love is so like big and epic that they don't need to have sex. <laughs> like yeah. it's just like it's like this big, larger than life, like overpowering primal thing that just transcends every every sort of rule of being a human being i guess and i think it's the sex in this actually that sort of like in my mind defined this as sort of the new masterpiece classic as opposed to the 2006 jane Eyre. they're like outside and i'm I like know. Girl, your dress is white i don't <laughs> just had like a lot of technical questions also uh it's been a while since i've read weathering heights but i would put money on the fact that emily bronte is not explicit about how heathcliff dies no they just find him in the bedroom maybe kathy 2.0 as it is that finds his body but she just finds his body and in this adaptation it's very clearly a suicide Mm -hmm. and it's a suicide because he can't like be without kathy anymore i've always i've always like one of the one of the things i think that is the most well, both small and big are romantic about this is how, uh, and yes, it's gothic, so it's a story about death, but like how focused it is on like love in the afterlife, mm. like how, you know, they will, they will like find each other again after they die. It's very ghost story-ish. And that part is in the book, but, yeah. but the, the suicide part of it is not. No, in fact, I feel like the book, everybody sort of dies of consumption if they don't <laughs> die of like alcoholism. That's pretty much what happens in this adaptation, too. Everyone just sort of wastes away of some identif- unidentified disease. It's true. Except for poor Kathy, who, di- who dies in childbirth, and, and or who wastes away and then dies in childbirth. Well, no, 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 no. Doesn't, doesn't Hinley's wife also die in childbirth? Francis? Francis? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, she dies in childbirth. Only two ways to die in this world. Be a woman, die having a kid, get consumption, die over a longer period of time. <laughs> Um, I, I have to say, one of the things about this uh, this interpretation is I love the actors in it in a way that I had never really imprinted on actors in other versions. I like all of these actors, but actually, you talk about your feelings about the cast at large. I have a lot of feelings about Tom Hardy's Heathcliff. Okay, Tom Hardy's Heathcliff has terrible hair. <laughs> And it is hard to get past the terrible hair. It, well, that's kind of like the Heathcliff brand. He's supposed to sort of look like he crawled out of a drain. I know. I know that's the point. But like, it really is terrible hair. And it really is terrible on Tom Hardy. And it doesn't go with his face. And there's just, there's, yeah. Part of it, and I'm pretty sure somebody's probably going to send me hate mail about this, <laughs> is that 
I think Tom Hardy is a very specific sort of attractive and Swoony riding around the moors romantic hero is not that kind of attractive. He is a little too For me, I I don't know. He like it, he takes a, a lot bruiser. of the sort of he he ticks a lot of sort of the visual boxes of Heathcliff. Like he's got the scraggly hair. He looks like he crawled out of a drain. He's like constantly kind of unkempt and dirty, mm-hmm. and it's, it ticks all of the boxes. But there's just something about like his aura to me that is too. The word I keep coming back to is earthy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like my favorite Heathcliff is Rafe Fiennes, who for me basically like epitomizes the sort of like he's really unattractive and also really attractive at the same time that he that i feel like heathcliff is um tom hardy to me i have always thought of as a bruiser he's 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 the kind of guy i expect to play you can thank peaky blinders for that (laughs) it's true i absolutely i i'm not gonna lie about that but it's true like he really always he doesn't have that tall thin and tortured sort of aristocratic Ray um, Fines. Right? Like, I don't know. I especially I, younger Ray Fines. If you guys have never seen, there was like a 1996 or 1997 movie version, which is like not super great as an adaptation, but he is the Heathcliff in it to uh, I think Juliet Binoche is Kathy, and that was one yes. of the first Wuthering Heights I ever saw. And he is so good. That whole yeah. speech about don't leave me in the abyss in the abyss where I cannot find you, just like stab me in the face. Yeah. Um. Actually, no. It's not. Ni- it's nineteen ninety two. Is that that is when that came out? It was in high school time for me. I think. Yeah. But there have been okay. First of all, there were so many versions of Wuthering Heights. Mm-hmm. Like the one that my mother used to tell me was the really great one was nineteen thirty eight, thirty nine, forty something like that. Um. And and that one's the one that like uh that that one completely takes out the second generation. And that was I think the one I first saw when I was like little. And so like when I actually like read the book and I was like, there's a whole second generation. I was super confused. Um. Anyway, I, the thing about tom hardy is that he 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 does feel miscast to me because he is so so working classish i guess like there's something about him that does not suit the 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 tall thin and tortured that i want from him and the hair looks all wrong that being said charlotte riley as kathy is like my fish she's one of the best kathy's if not the best kathy I think she is my she is the ideal Kathy in my mind. Like there is just like everything about her. She just looks perfect in the same way that that in the same way that Ruth Wilson was like the the platonic ideal of Jane Eyre, even though she was kind of too pretty. Like to sort of draw it back to my to my since I said that Ray Fiennes was like my ideal Heathcliff. I think that Juliette Binoche in that movie is really wrong for Kathy because she's Mm. too posh. Yes. Like she like what. What this Kathy gets right is how like kind of feral she is. Mm-hmm. Like she's from she's from a a family with a name, and she marries into money, and and but she's still always underneath all that. The kid that runs around the moors and like plays in the mud. Mm-hmm. And I feel like unless you don't, I feel like you have to find the balance between both of those things because that's what explains her attraction to Heathcliff in the first place. Um, I, I also, I love Andrew Lincoln as Edgar. Oh my gosh. I know he like went on and made a billion seasons of The Walking Dead and is now making another season, another show of The Walking Dead or something. Yep. But like, I really mourn his loss from the world of period dramas because Seriously. he is such like an ideal period drama like person. 
And this is probably the only adaptation that I've seen where I actually think that Edgar, a little bit like, okay, so you know how people will say that when you're a teenager and you watch Reality Bites in 1984, you cheer for her to be with with Ethan Hawke. And then when you're an adult, you go back and watch. No, I had that same feeling about this. And I was like, no, Edgar is so nice. Yes. (laughs) I was like, he just wants to make you happy and like make your life easy yeah and 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 when you see the when you when you rewatch reality bites as an adult you're like no no go with the guy who has a job what's wrong with you um i really felt had that go with the guy who has a job what's wrong with you sense with edgar when kathy's all like i don't know if i can really and it's like no dude trust me like between heathcliff and edgar edgar is 100 the adult choice here agreed <laughs> especially because like what my one real complaint about this adaptation is that it skips over one of the most interesting parts about Kathy or rather one of the more interesting holes that I think you can poke around it. And that's like Heathcliff basically like disappears for three years mm-hmm. and he comes back when Kathy and Edgar get married. And like there's just in the book, they've been married for a while and, and she's finally pregnant because she gave because she took forever to have sex with him is sort of implied right right all of the versions are running together in my head but like the thing is is that there there's like this hole there that i always wish adaptations would poke at which is what happens to kathy in that interim like mm. not just what not just whether she marries edgar during that time or gets pregnant during that time or whatever but like what happens to her internally do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. because on some level there's some part of her that clearly whether it's whether it's that she just wants to have money and like live a comfortable life and not like sleep in stables like Heathcliff does or whether she really likes the Lintons as a family or whether she really likes Edgar I don't know um and I think you could play with all of those things because I feel like I feel like a lot of Kathy's interiority is dedicated to Heathcliff mm-hmm. versus dedicated to herself and I mm-hmm. wish especially now uh, where I am in my own life, like I wished that we had seen more of that about her. Um, I get the sense. Um, when I read the book, I got the sense that it's that she feels that she cannot marry beneath her because to do so would bring shame to her family and she can't do that. Um, in this version, I actually feel more like Edgar becomes a, becomes a safe place, especially because Byrne Gorman as Hindley is so... Is oh, wait, so... we gotta come, we gotta t- come back to Byrne Gorman in a second and talk about how every person he plays is the worst person on earth, but... <laughs> I do feel like I one of the things I think that this adaptation gets really spot on about, like I was saying before, about the toxicity at the heart of this sort of like grand romance in, in a lot of ways is that it is a lot of work to be in a relationship with Heathcliff. Like, it is a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot of emotional work. It's a lot of literal work. It's a lot of like managing upward, if you will. <laughs> like, you know, like it's just... Like, there's something to be said for being like, I don't want to exhaust my life doing this. So you just pick something. You pick the person who makes the relationship easy. Yes. Yes. I absolutely. There is a level where she picks Edgar because he is easy. I absolutely agree with that. And there is honestly nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there is not. I am 100% here for picking the easy life when, if the easy life presents itself, take it. Well, and I don't even mean that. That sounds really insulting to Edgar, and I don't even mean it that way. But I just feel like sometimes it's okay to take the path that's like the 
the less tortured one. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a better phrasing. Like, I don't know. Love doesn't have to be exhausting. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. And and now we must return to... I think casting... Bur- okay. First of all, the kid who plays Little Hindley looks like a tiny Burn Garmin, and I love that. <laughs> I just... I love that. And then, of course, Burn Garmin gets out of the carriage when she's grown up, and I screeched because I'd forgotten. All the little kid casting is really spot on, actually. It really is. And, and there's... Just, like, he's just so evil. He's just always so evil. And you really feel like there's a level where Kathy is just going over the Lintons because it's sanity. Like, she she needs sanity and it's over there. No, the scene, this, this scene where they come over and she says something about, well, maybe you could whip one of your servants for our entertainment. I was just like, oh, girl. I love Kathy. I really do. I also, I also, you know what I think it is? Mm. And this is, again, back to, not to disparage Jane Eyre, because I know a lot of people love it, but back to why I think I respond more to Wuthering Heights than Jane Eyre, is I think Kathy is just more interesting. Like, Mm. Kathy is, like, Kathy contains multitudes and seems constantly at war with herself in so many ways that I think are really interesting. And I feel like... On some level, you can you can interpret the story as like her her real arc in it is a, is in some sense like accepting herself that like she probably should have chosen Heathcliff in the first place, blah blah blah. But I don't know. I just I like Kathy so much. She's so messy. Um, I I like the fact that I like the fact that she picks Edgar because it really is the adult choice. But yes, like her heart really isn't in it in the end. And that there's a level where even though she couldn't really hang with Heathcliff, she wished she could. And she sort of breaks because of that, because she can't really, she, she, she wants to be with Heathcliff, but she can't hang. But she, she can't really bring herself to be with Edgar because he's not what she really wants. Right. And she kind of can't live with herself for making the easy choice. And I and I can totally I can totally get that and I can get behind that. And I think that that's part of the reason why, like, I do. I like this Kathy more than I like probably any other one. Um, I also want to point out that uh, Nellie is Sarah Lancashire uh, in this version. Who literally has been in everything. So if you're like, where have we seen that woman before? It's everywhere. It, it it took me the entire rewatch before I realized who it was, and it bothered me so much the whole way because I, I I was like I I know who that is I know who that is and I couldn't come up with it. You know what's funny is her hairdo made me immediate. What finally made me twig it was I was like, oh, it's Miss What's Her Name from The Paradise because her yeah. hairdo is like the same, even though I haven't watched The Paradise in like the better part of the decade. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about the Isabella in this version um the 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 uh who is uh, edgar's sister i like isabella so much in this too and i'm like why are all these women getting stuck with these terrible men just get right? rid of all of them right and she's the one who actually marries heathcliff because she's sort of she's sort of fooled by his dark he's, he's dark and gloomy rem- she's gonna fix him she's good she's yeah. gonna fix him that's right. what it is She's like, I see what that girl did to you, and I'm going to fix you. Yeah, and let and me just no. say, ladies, you will never fix him. <laughs> and Isabella is proof. <laughs> Isabella is a warning to us all. <laughs> I know. I like her so much, though. And I actually really hate that that, uh, although I think it's a good choice, I hate just from like a 
sisters doing itself for themselves perspective i hate the way that this sort of pits her and kathy against each other mm-hmm. i love that the, actually this is what i wanted to say before i love that this adaptation lets kathy be so terrible hmm. do you know what i mean like a lot of times it's in, in adaptations of this or stories like this like she's the heroine so she has to be like above reproach all the time yes this is like the pettiest nastiest like most selfish kathy which mm. i love that i love because that is who she is and i love that this doesn't shy away from that and what made me think of that is literally every scene she has with isabella where she is so like Isabella says something to her about like, you just, you can't stand it if you're not the person who everybody at the table that everybody loves. And that is like, it's, I, that's not accurate entirely, but it's, that's the sentiment. And it is like the most true read of Kathy Earnshaw mm-hmm. on earth. Um, I also, I, the thing is, is that most of the time we're not allowed to sort of, see a heroine as bad we're not supposed to see her flaws and i feel one of the reasons why i also think this is a perfect kathy is because her flaws make her the right partner for heathcliff like they deserve each other because they're both terrible (laughs) (laughs) and i know that's really mean and i know that you're probably gonna write me hate mail for saying that but there is a level i don't deserve each it's on a level it's sort of true on the other Mm -hmm. level i'm like this is so incredibly toxic right it's true but then again some toxic people deserve each other i don't even know here's the thing though here's the thing though i don't know if they would have been happy no i don't think so but that's not the point like i don't think they would have i think part of i think part of the appeal there is the not having of it if Mm -hmm. that makes sense oh yes like and, and if they if she'd actually left edgar or or they'd run away together or whatever. I don't think they would have been happy. She doesn't want to sleep in stables, like you said before. I mean, she g- girl, that is good. That is okay. <laughs> not sleeping in stables. <laughs> not sleeping in stables 2023. <laughs> I am here for that. Um, I do want to know what your opinion is of the second generation, because this is one that really sort of tries to dig into that and really sort of tries to give us that that framing device from the book. And I have never, I maybe because the first few times I saw it, like I never had the framing device and I didn't know the framing device until I read the book. So I always feel like the framing device doesn't quite work. And it, this one also doesn't quite work. And I can't tell you why. I think it makes a valiant effort. I mm-hmm. think part of the problem is that everything to do with the second generation is just Heathcliff being an expletive. Mm. And there's no, because even when Heathcliff is being an expletive, in the in the flashback timeline like he does undercut that with like he really does love kathy Mm -hmm. and will occasionally do the right thing for kathy Mm -hmm. he does not have that sort of uh, mediating influence in the sort of framing storyline and Mm -hmm. i never believe that he loves linton or hareton or kathy 2.0 or it all just seems to be like some sort of really like weird head game long con game with edgar and the linton family and it's just i don't know it does not make heathcliff look better (laughs) let's put it that way no in fact i think introducing him in the second generation and basically introducing him as an expletive really undercuts his romantic like yeah that's a good that's a really good point because in a lot of adaptations you do really get like striding about the moors with this sort of like half unbuttoned billowing white shirt like Mm -hmm. a handsome horse with him and it's very like 
swoony stereotype romance hero kind of thing this adaptation really does not let you forget that like Heathcliff is a monster yeah and that they introduce him as a monster he is a monster to Linton. He is horrendous to Hareton, not even like telling him that he's basically like completely and utterly taken away his birthright. He steals all their inheritances. Right. And 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 Catherine is trapped in his house and he's horrifying to her. He kidnaps her and right? forces her to marry his son, which I have many questions about how that was legal or happened. But OK, I guess Edgar was just conveniently dying of wasting sickness. <laughs> Everything about that is just cements how terrible Heathcliff is as a human being. So when you then flash back, and I understand that this love story is supposed to explain why he is a monster, that this turned him into a monster, that losing Kathy, when Kathy died, his humanity died is sort of the idea. But it also really undercuts any kind of swooniness because, like, he, he's a monster. I think it's interesting because. I think, oh, well, I do. I will say I do, and I suspect a lot of other people do too, still love Kathy and Heathcliff together. And by opening the story this way, it makes you really a little bit strangely kind of complicit in the toxicity of their relationship because you're like, I really don't know if I should be rooting for this nice girl to end up with this horrible man. I don't know. It's it's really like emotionally complex in a way that is interesting because mm. like, I don't know. I think they are they are one of literature's like great romances for a reason and and I mean so are Romeo and Juliet and don't kill each other for love don't kill don't kill yourselves for love kids but <laughs> um you know and it's just it's real like it it puts you as a viewer in a really like in a really abnormal position like sort of vis-a-vis the story when you are presented with like Heathcliff at his worst and then the flashbacks ask you to believe that if Kathy had not died, he would have been a different person and or at least maybe a less terrible person because he wasn't like a great person to start with. <laughs> but but it's I don't know. It's it's I think it's really I think the intention of it is really well done in terms of like how that kind of initial presentation complicates the relationship you see build up between them but it does make this Heathcliff really like a hard one to love I agree um I also I uh, just want to note because I I did cat I, I at some point um I think it was it's in the second episode when we go back and we see Linton again I suddenly realized that that's Tom Payne who is also a major walking dead person <laughs> Is it? Yeah. I was like, oh, he looks like one of the Weasley brothers from the Harry Potter film. He does kind of look yeah, the, 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 the terrible wig does not do him um much good, but he's Jesus in The Walking Dead. No, he's are you serious? I'm serious. That's literally like the name of the char- uh, character on The Walking Dead, not like the son <laughs> of God, just so those of you who don't watch the show are like, what kind of show is this? <laughs> I also caught, and this actually cracked me up when I looked at the IMDb because I always do before I before we do these podcasts because I want to make sure that I actually am citing the right names and citing the right actors. Um, one of the kid actors in this actually is uh, Jack O'Connell, who is in Lady Chatterley's Lover. Because <laughs> I saw the name, and I'm like, no, no way. <laughs> there really are only like 15 people that work in the British entertainment industry. And- given time it totally cracked me up because i was like no and like he's like some he's something stupid like a, like a shepherd lad or something and it's like 
right, I have a I have a question for you. So now that we've done both Jade Air and Wuthering Heights, and they're mm-hmm. sort of at least like these two versions were not really like in conversation with each other, but they came out close enough that like it's sort of a decent comparative. I actually do sort of feel like these are these are maybe not quite in conversation with each other, but really like contemporaries. They're useful comparisons to each other in terms of like the like why do we like the Bronte stories and what. Why do some people like one or the other? Like, do you think you are a Jane Austen person or a Wuthering Heights person? Are you or, a Charlotte or an Emily? Am I a Charlotte or an Emily? I am a Charlotte. I I still that makes the, sense. And and the thing is, is that I know perfectly well Jane Eyre's relationship with Rochester is toxic as AF. Okay, all right, just as much as honestly Heathcliff and Kathy are toxic AF. And of the two, I pick the Jane Eyre. I do. Um, and I do think that there there is a there is a benefit in always trying to compare when when we compare um, these kinds of stories, we should always try and pick the ones that happened close together in the same way that I would never want to compare like the 1996 um, uh, persuasion with, say, Kieran Knightley's 2005 Pride mm-hmm. and Prejudice. I'd want to compare it to the 1985 one. I know. I originally pushed to do the Ray Fiennes movie, but Annie made the very good point that that was like a decade prior and a movie versus a series. So here yeah. we are. And 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 I do think that there is a real that there is a real benefit in looking at where we were as a society at that moment, where masterpiece was in its in its conversion from masterpiece theater to masterpiece as we know it today, how the BBC was that I all of these things really do play into it. Oh, I have a question that I that I thought of while I was watching, mm. and I bet you know the answer to. Oh, how did this originally air? Do you know? Because like the masterpiece kind of cut of it is two hour long episodes. That is correct. And they're full 60 minutes, too, because there were which is which is a little long. So I am wondering because there was a moment where I was like, oh, this is the end of the episode. But then it like cut to black and some other stuff happened. So I am curious if you if you found out in your research, if they if they did any changing to how it aired i actually unlike a lot of stuff where they truncate things i don't think it made a huge difference there's a certain like it makes a certain amount of sense to like end the first part uh, it, to go all the way up to kathy's wedding to edgar and then start part two with heathcliff coming back from wherever he got better clothes <laughs> but yeah i mean even the wardrobe upgrade did not help um okay so first of all i was wrong it's not bbc it's itv who did this one. Um, but it was a two-parter. And as you remember, ITV actually has commercials. So oh. what we got here is um, not actually all that cut down. That makes sense because there are definitely like kind of fade to black moments where I can see where the commercials were supposed to go if I think about it like that. Yeah. And the, the episodes as they aired on ITV were about an hour 10 where these are closer to like an hour exactly. So there is a little bit that's been cut. Yeah, mine were like an hour six and an hour eight, I think. Yeah, so there's a little bit that's been cut, but I think that that's also in the in the mushing together to co- sort of cover the fade to black. I think that's where that... So I think we do have the whole thing here in front of us. Um, and it was aired on ITV in uh, in, an, in two parts in the same way. Um, though, uh, for the record, uh, when Masterpiece did it, they did it one week and then two weeks, whereas ITV actually did them like... Um, they did it on consecutive nights. 
oh. um, because they do that. That's more typical in the UK, to, especially for something like this, which was a summertime release. Yeah, I think it's called like striping. Is yeah, the technical term. Yeah, so they uh, they actually they they did it like one, one right after the other, where masterpiece did it one week and then another week. I do think it works better without a gap. I think that striping this was the right thing to do. And I wish that Masterpiece had that ability sometimes when it brings things over. Uh, I know why it doesn't, but... Yeah, because there's not like a real... Because even... I don't know. I've had this discussion with a lot of people about a lot of different TV these days. Is that... Mm in the rise of my least favorite phrase, like it's a 10 episode movie. Like people have forgotten that individual episodes of television are supposed to be just that they're supposed to be individual of episodes of television that tell yes. some like portion of a like contained portion of something. They're supposed to have five acts or three acts if they're 22 minutes. So when you get something like this, it does just feel like a, like a two and a half hour or whatever it is. film. Mm-hmm. Because there's no, other than the fact that it just sort of narratively makes sense to stop it after Edgar and Kathy's wedding, if you're going to stop it somewhere, um, you don't have to. Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. So, yeah, I am. Um, I don't, of the two, like, I really am a Jane Eyre person, but of all the Wuthering Heights that I've ever seen, I do think this is actually my favorite. This is definitely one of the better ones. As much as it has issues, um, it's also of the two, as much as I would pick Jane Eyre first over Wuthering Heights, I think Wuthering Heights is the better one for someone to remake now in the 2020s. Mm. And I think that's because there's so much um, there's there, there's so much that can be sort of smudged around and 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 played with in a way that Jane Eyre doesn't have. It's it's a little more open to interpretation. Yeah, I think. and Jane Eyre doesn't ha- as much as I love Jane Eyre. It doesn't have that. It is kind of rigid. Mm-hmm. There was a version a few years ago because my very favorite person from Skins, Kaya Scodelario, who was Effie for those of you who watched Skins, she was incredible. Yeah, but that was like 2012. Like that was still 10 years ago. Was it? Was it really 2012? I think. So. Okay, now I gotta go look. All right, she's looking. But anyway, Kaya Scodelario was was Kathy, and I I love everything she chooses to do except possibly that Pirates of the Caribbean sequel but the girl has got to eat so I'm not mad at her 2011 oh my gosh time is a flat circle mm-hmm. I don't know maybe we could have like a little Bronte revival the, the way that we have a, a Jane Austen revival every few years you know nobody ever does and anything there's like one version of Tenet of Wildfell Hall and apparently uh originally they had cast natalie portman as kathy but she withdrew and they had also been thinking of michael fassbender as heathcliff and he withdrew oh michael fassbender would be an amazing heathcliff i don't think natalie portman would actually natalie portman doesn't have that kind of feralness that i see in kathy Mm -mm. i feel like effie from skins was pretty feral so i feel like she's a good choice michael fassbender kind of definitely has heathcliff vibes yeah, but no, neither. Both of them dropped out before it actually ever came to be, and so that's how we got the cast we got. But I just, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the production notes, and I just saw Michael Fassbender and Natalie Portman, and went, "Ooh, Michael Fassbender." I love him. <laughs> I do too. He, he has big time Heathcliff vibes. Um, because I mean, like, I know everybody's like, "Oh no, a bad boy," but that's like basically where it comes from. Is oh yeah, Heathcliff. Heathcliff, Heathcliff of the one name. 
Um, isn't Emily the the Bronte biography is actually a biopic is coming out uh, in the U.S. Yeah, February, right around Valentine's Day, I think. Um, which is a strange choice. No, no, no. That's lovely. That's a lovely anti Valentine's Day programming. I'm I'm here for it. Well, except I think this movie. I haven't seen it yet. I actually want to see it because I think Emily Bronte is fascinating. Uh, I think the whole Bronte family is fascinating. But uh, honestly, like three different women writing some of the like greatest pieces of literature, like under assumed names while their family was falling apart. Just like so good. But I think the Emily biopic has a lot of, shall we say, liberties with what we know of her life, because I think the movie basically implies that she wrote Wuthering Heights because she was the one who was in love with her dad's curate friend that Anne wrote about in her book, which which is like almost 100% did not happen. And I kind of, I don't know, I kind of like that idea that there's some sort of hidden history that we don't know and I also feel a little slighted by it because I'm like, just let the girl be a genius, okay? She only got to write one book. For the record, uh, when this when Emily uh, was released uh, in the UK, Rory uh, um, reviewed it for us because uh, it was part of the London uh, Film Festival, and uh, his issue with it wasn't about um, Emily being like not being fictionalized. It was more that the it's the directing debut of the uh, of Frances O'Connor, and there's a level where like you can see that this is very much the directing debut, and that there's construction issues. Oh, that probably bothers bothers people who take movies more seriously than I do more than it would bother me. It is your the your girl from Sex Education though. Yeah, it is. I know. Um, so I'm 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 100 here for I'm 100 for everyone from Sex Education getting on the A list eventually. I'm here for that. Emily Emma Mackey is great in Sex Education, and I love the fact that she's doing a period piece. I know more period piece. I've just, now I'm very into this whole like let's do. I've a masterpiece did something a couple of years ago that it was a Bronte sisters sort of biopic. Oh, what was it called? It was like to walk alone or something. To walk invisible. Right. As to why I got I got like 60% of it. I please clap. <laughs> okay. Um and because this was a few years ago. And I wish I don't know, I think the Brontes are so fascinating. I would watch more of that kind of thing even though I recognize that it would be like 60% made up. <laughs> but yes, I would really I would really like a Bronte renaissance on on TV. Are you saying that we should have like like Dickinson in on Apple TV, we should have Bronte? Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. What is Alana Smith doing right now? <laughs> um, Someone page her. We have an idea. We have an idea. Uh, it's it'll be it would be amazing. Just saying. Um, but I do feel like we haven't gotten a big Bronte period piece in in some time. Apparently, even longer than I thought, considering that Wuthering Heights was from ten years ago. Yeah, and I didn't realize that. And like I said, I I can think of like one adaptation of Tenet of Wildfell Hall and I don't Tenet of Wildfell Hall and I don't know anything about Agnes, whatever it is, Agnes Gray. Mm-hmm. So be trendy, people. Be trendy. Get on the Bronte train. <laughs> I think that was Annie mic dropping for the end of our episode. So that is another installment of Classics Revisited in the books. If you have a classic i'm making air quotes our definition of classic is pretty flexible but we would at least like it to not be within the last like 
I don't know. We've been told that 15 years is technically where the classic line falls for PBS. We might we might accept a decade. We were talking <laughs> yeah. about about doing an Emma and we were like, we cannot do the Autumn to Wild one because it's literally like three years old. So as much as I would like to pretend that three years was a long time ago, it was really not. Yeah, just because the pandemic felt like it took 15 years doesn't mean it actually did. <laughs> anyway, if you guys have something you think we should watch and talk about or watch and bring to the awareness uh, of our listeners its greatness uh let us know we are at televisions at weta.org we are trying to fit some more of these in this year mostly because we just really like doing them and we are eager to take your requests uh other than that annie tell the people where they can find you on the internet you can find me at annie bundle on everything um basically other than facebook where i miss annie bundle uh you can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy bellies at annie bundle on instagram i'm a staff writer at elite daily and the associate editor here at televisions and i'm so sad that um nbc news think where i was a regular contributor has now uh been it's now gone uh it is part of the Q1 bloodbath that seems to be happening to writers around the uh, internet right now, and it's very sad. And um, yeah, uh, so I don't know. Um, hopefully, I'll find someplace else to freelance and uh, share my deep thoughts on things like Marvel movies, because you know someone has to have deep thoughts about Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, someone does. I mean, mine will be me. Anyway, um, other than that, yeah, uh, basically uh, follow me wherever and because uh, I retweet my balance and that's the fastest way to know what I wrote today. Huzzah. I am Lacey MB on Twitter and everywhere else and I, like Annie, write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web, but I always tweet my bylines with some cat photos and general life complaining so come and be my friend. Um, I'm going to Gallifrey One in a couple of weeks, so that'll be fun. Doctor Who nerd time. Lots of photos of people in costume, including like kids dressed up as the 13th Doctor, which I can tell you from experience is aces. Uh, if you just want the site and the pod, we are on social media at telly underscore visions on Twitter and television's blog, all one word, on Facebook. Uh, we live at televisions.org. I've said this a million times. You think I'd remember our website URL, but we are at televisions.org. And if you like what we do, you can click on that donate button up top to help us keep making all the news, recaps, listicles, reviews, and other goodies that you will find there and get access to PBS Passport, which will let you binge watch and early preview tons of things, including the... Oh my gosh, I feel like this list gets longer every week. The new season of Miss Scarlet and the Duke, the new season of All Creatures Great and Small, the new creatures, the new season of Vienna Blood. Uh, we just got all of Inspector Lewis on there, I think, which had many more seasons than I remember, and a slew of Walter's Choice things. So go investigate, check it out, see if there's anything we should talk about on Classics Revisited, because you know what we love is corporate synergy, or <laughs> I guess nonprofit synergy, whatever. Uh, thanks as always for listening take care of yourselves take care of each other if you have not gotten a flu shot or a covid booster if you are eligible please consider doing that because it is scary out there in terms of literally everyone I know being ill and I think we should all try to not have that happen to ourselves um, do something nice for a stranger too because it'll make you feel better as always thanks for listening and we'll see you next week <laughs>